1: Andrew Ledman.
0: I'm Casey Bartley.
1: And today we are going to continue our look at the 2021-2022 men's basketball roster. Today we are going to be talking about Mason Gillis, and he is our last returning player we're going to be talking about. And then I know we've spoken about these guys before, but we are going to go into the three incoming freshmen. So tonight, in addition to Gillis, we've got Trey Kaufman Wren. But before we get into those guys, we've got kind of uh, a former Purdue player corner. Uh, We want to do. And uh, right off the top, though, we're going to tell you about a transfer who came to Purdue football from Indiana, which is actually the second player we've landed from Indiana uh, in the transfer portal this year. Uh, Purdue landed a transfer running back. His name is I just lost it. Oh, my gosh. Samson James. I almost said James (laughs) Samson. Do you not I'm have a question
0: for me this week,
1: Ledman? No, I didn't have one because I figured we got all these story. We've got all these stories we got to get through, and we don't want to clog Man. up people's time. You know. You make me sad. I know. Well, I'm trying to be efficient here, Casey. What about sticking to the script? Though. I mean, I hear
0: everyone tunes in for the questions.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we get tons of feedback, and it's always we love when you talk about nonsense at the start. That's what we hear. Well, you know, I will figure one out for next week. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. All right, so like I said, Samson James, uh, transfer from IU to Purdue, and it's a weird situation. He was a four-star recruit out of high school. Uh, Purdue recruited him, and he played at IU uh, for two years. Of course, last year is the weird COVID year. No one knows if it's actually going to count against you know your total. You can always get the free year at the end, so who knows what, what year this guy even is. But this guy put his name in the transfer portal twice. Um, he put it in in um in march but then pulled his name out and decided to return to indiana and then this last i think t- wednesday he just put his name in the portal and i think he didn't show up to camp and then by friday he'd committed to purdue it's a beautiful drive to go up north from bloomington to west lafayette i don't blame it, you. yeah i mean it is uh it's there's an nothing... awful drive <laughs> yeah it's and well <laughs> here's the thing that i'll say i don't know if you've ever been to IU on like a football game day or even a basketball game day the only time I've been for a basketball game I was riding in a bus so I can't talk about the drive but um, going to Bloomington for a football game the traffic is a nightmare because there's basically one way to get in and even though their stadium doesn't sell out you're still going against all the people who are just going to tailgate who are going in you know to see family and there's one road that goes in and it's just chaos. It's so annoying. So he will not have to deal with that, and his friends and family will not have to deal with that when they come to Purdue uh, to watch him play.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I've covered basketball games there. Uh, definitely not football games, that seems. Why would anyone do that? That's
1: masochistic, yeah.
0: Yeah, but getting out of there afterwards is an absolute nightmare.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's not a good situation down there. They've They've got to figure that out, but so as as far as this guy, we don't even know if he's going to be eligible for next season. They had a deadline for when you would have to commit out of the portal in order to be eligible, uh, and that was sometime in mid-July, and obviously this is past that. So he's not eligible in that sense, but the NCAA has basically been giving out waivers like they're candy. Um, so we don't know if he's applying for one yet. We don't know – if he's applying, if he's actually going to get it. So uh, we'll have to just pay attention to see if he's going to be added to the running back room along with uh, Xander Horvath and uh, King Doru. So, I mean, he'd be a good addition. A, he, um, he's he got 113 carries for 373 yards, just over 3.3 per carry. I mean, he's not a world beater, but uh, you never know what he can do in a different system with different players. So He was a
0: four-star running back. Um, he's got a pretty good pedigree ran all over us a couple years ago I, does he have a cool enough name to be in our running back depth chart because King Doru and Xander Horvath is as good of a one-two name was as you possibly
1: have well I mean Samson James it, it says a pretty uh, cool sounding name it's it's no Xander Horvath or King Doru but it would sound it, cool in a different backfield but compared to
0: those two I think it's a little Just just leaves a little bit to be desired. I don't don't care. It's a running back. He's not going to change our (laughs) season.
1: No. I mean, okay, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Every day is just like one step closer to the apocalypse of
1: Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with all the injuries they've had in camp and leading up to it, uh, it's not been great. So we will leave Purdue football there. And um, as I said, we're going to talk about some former Purdue players that uh, have made some news here in the last couple weeks.
0: How close do we have to get to the actual season? I need to emotionally prepare myself before we actually talk about football like wholeheartedly.
1: Honestly, it's probably going to be like two weeks from now. Oh god. Yeah. Do you know a good therapist? I not really. No. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna look into that. Okay. And All right. Hopefully get to a place. And just have somebody have somebody ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first Purdue um, former player I wanted to talk about is. A now Olympic gold medalist, Annie Drews. Woo, woo. Okay, I I knew you were gonna make some sort of celebratory noise. <laughs> <so> I paused. <laughs> See, we're getting better at this. We Our can chemistry. Anticipate, yeah. Anticipate what the other's gonna do. So, um, the uh, USA women's volleyball team, the indoor, not the not the beach, won the gold medal. This is actually the first time the USA women have won the gold medal in volleyball, which I found to be astounding. I figured that would be one that the USA would dominate, but I guess I was wrong there.
0: We don't take a lot of Olympic sports as seriously or
1: professionally as a lot of foreign teams. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, like, you never see the USA winning, like, handball. I mean, we won this year. Did we really? I do
0: believe the men won. I'm not sure about the women, but yeah, I think we won a gold medal in handball this year.
1: (laughs) That is wild. Of all the sports I could have chosen.
0: Yeah, but, like, three-on-three basketball, we lost. Like, we don't take basketball seriously. It's just we have way too much talent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Drew's um, – obviously, this is an amazing accomplishment because it's the first – she's the first player from the state of Indiana to be on the team, first of all, so that's great. And then first-time player from the state of Indiana is on there. They win the gold medal, so that is just great. She did come off the bench originally, and then she proved herself uh, to be a, a great addition to the team And saw more and more time kind of as the tournament progressed. So you love to see a Purdue player walk away with a gold medal. So congrats to Annie Drews. And, you know, that's going to look good on uh, the Purdue volleyball team and Dave Shondell. So we love to see that because uh, we're big fans of Dave Shondell and the volleyball team here.
0: Yeah, we are. And, you know, it's always fun to have a Purdue person, you know, win a gold medal. But especially when they are on the biggest stage and they're one of the best players out there. Yeah, and She was definitely that. There were a couple games where she was absolutely the best or near the best of the people on the court.
1: Yeah, I mean, she she became a vital part of the team as the as the tournament went on. Yeah, just dominant. So
0: when you can see that root for it and, you know, something fun and fast-paced like volleyball where something awesome seems to happen every 30 seconds. So, yeah, so, yeah. So just purely, like, visually and rooting for, like, there's not much – not much – cooler to do than that so big props to her and that's got to be good for our program looking forward.
1: yeah yeah i and would think a, so
0: and there's not a better cheerleader in the world than dave shondell
1: no no and i mean um i i when i was a at purdue as a grad assistant and as an intern in in the athletic department i worked with coach shondell a time or two and he is just as nice as he seems in every interaction you know you always see online or on twitter or in interviews after matches He's just one of the nicest guys out there and, and he's so easy to root for. So we love to see good things for him, his former players in that program. Yeah. So good that, Olympics. yeah, yeah. Good Olympics for that. So moving on, uh, player number two, uh, Rondale Moore actually made his debut in the preseason for the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. Um, he impressed a lot of people online. I mean, you know, it's a preseason game in the NFL, so you can only really take so much from it because who knows how many first stringers are playing on a offense on defense. Um, and Moore is obviously not gonna get probably this many uh looks when he's on the field you know every time, but in his first uh first game, he had five touches got thirty nine yards um you know they're they're running a lot of quick plays with him and um things that you would expect for a guy that's his size, his position, and his speed so hopefully this means they're gonna you know have at least some plays. They're going to be designed to get Rondell, to Moore, Rondell Moore the ball because, as we've seen at Purdue, he can certainly make a difference on the field.
0: Yeah, and I I think a lot of the buzz is at this time of year, especially everyone's getting ready for their fantasy draft. And Rondell Moore is one of those players that, you know, as a rookie, unknown on a team that already has someone like deandre hopkins he is this very deep deep sleeper that some of fantasy experts are talking about taking a late round flyer on and the thing that's exciting is to see he got over 30 percent of the targets while he was in the game or for the whole game they were missing pretty much all their top receivers but yeah what we see and what we saw in purdue is there's not many people in the nfl that have that kind of versatility to be a receiver that is dangerous in the backfield on jet sweeps out on routes and someone who is that dynamic not only is he a burner he's very strong oh yeah very strong he's got that stutter step little pause and go that i'm not sure he's ever been touched on yet and even against nfl guys was running by them getting out of bounds getting up the line of scrimmage and i would say if you are thinking about fantasy football it's gonna be harder when you're playing other blue people because they're aware of right. it. right if you're listening and you're not, you know, playing in a Lafayette, Indiana Fantasy Football League, he is the kind of guy that you would want on a PPR team late because he might get a lot of those dump-offs, five or six catches a game, just to get the ball in his hands. Um, Arizona Cardinals, you know, their lead running back now is Chase Edmonds. Small guy, not very good in the red zone last year. Look for some packages with Rondell Moore to be someone that can kind of break apart a red zone defense where everything shrinks and, yeah, he, and strength it, really matters.
1: He could become a, a touchdown vulture in a fantasy you know, perspective because you get him down there, he is big, he is strong, and he is very, very fast. And if the Cardinals don't have a running back that they can rely on, you know, you've saw, you saw you it when he was at Purdue. You know, you use him in a jet sweep, you put him in motion, and you can get him the ball, and he can get you three, four yards nearly every time. So if you get him down near the goal line, he can he can take those easy touchdowns away from, from maybe that lead running back that the Cardinals don't necessarily have a star at.
0: Yeah, and Coach Cliff Kingsbury has been missing this kind of player in his offense. You know, they run a lot of plays quick. They got a lot of motion, does a lot of stuff he is the kind of thing that could really unlock that offense and be really a game changer for Kingsbury and that Cardinals team. So I think he's going to be really good this
1: year. I I do too. And especially, I mean, you mentioned Deandre Hopkins is out there one of, if not the best wide receiver um, in the league. So when you have a guy like that on the field, he's got gravity, you know, he pulls the defense toward him and that's just going to make it even better for a guy like Rondell Moore. So if you can be paired with, you know, one of the best in the league, at your same position, it's going to make things so much easier for you because teams aren't going to be able to double up on two different wide receivers. So he should have every opportunity if he continues to uh, assert himself in practice and show that he can do it on the field. He's going to be given that chance.
0: And another thing is with Kyler Murray being such a threat with his legs, those jet sweeps become impossible to guard
1: because your defense can't go
0: to one side because if you do, they're going to fake that, and Kyler Murray is going to run for 40 yards up the other side of the field. So
1: yeah. Look for him
0: to have a lot of space this year when he operates. And we saw what could happen when Rondell Miller gets the ball, gets space. He's going to get up the field. He's going to knock some people down. He's going to score some points.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Looks real exciting and real promising for Rondale Moore. Um, like you said, with fantasy football, unfortunately, I am in a league with all of my family. <laughs> and we are all Purdue fans, so I would imagine I'm not going to be able to surprise people by taking Rondale Moore. But um, you know, if you're in a league with a bunch of guys who who don't know who he is, he's going to be a late sleeper that I think would would add something to your team. And it all depends on how your team or how your league does scoring. But even so, I think he'd be pretty productive in one of the later rounds. So. Moving on from football, we will head to basketball and uh, Casey, you were telling me that uh, Carson Edwards had some summer league action this week. Yeah,
0: he's tell been me a little playing, bit about that. Yeah, he's been playing all week in the uh, Vegas summer League, uh, still on the Boston Celtics. Uh, Celtics are having a
1: an interesting little off season you know they traded yeah well, the coaching situation is strange to begin with i mean i, I how often do you have a coach? Step away and then become the basically the GM.
0: Yeah, and Brad Stevens was right, no one knows his roster better as a GM than the guy who just coached them for you know five years, and he had to do a lot of work. He got rid of Kimba Walker's contract because you know Kimba's Walker's knees couldn't stay healthy.
1: Um, yeah, but now now he's going to be playing in Madison Square Garden. That's cardiac Kimba's home territory, right there.
0: Look, yeah, that's it's really exciting for them. It's just that's fine because the Knicks are paying him. You know, $9 million a year, or a little less. Uh, the Celtics were on the rope for over $30 million, so... Ooh, boy. Yeah, that, that didn't feel so good, so they had to give up a draft pick to uh, kind Probably of get off that. It. Probably worth it. So there is some opportunity for Carson Edwards to kind of be a playmaker uh, scorer for the Boston Celtics. Celtics did... Just signed Dennis Schroeder to a very cheap $6 million contract, who's probably going to take over the lead uh, guard role, but they can definitely use some shooting. And we've seen him be pretty much mostly down in the NBA so far. There's no way to really be that optimistic about anything we've seen. He's been unable to really find his rhythm, hasn't played a bunch. Uh, Really, his size has been a detriment in the NBA. He's just too small to even guard guards, let alone any switches. He hasn't really found his shot. He's not a natural playmaker, which is difficult when you're that size and when you're no longer, you know, able to just score 30 points a game like he did in college. Uh, so this is year. This is really a make or break year. His contract's going to be guaranteed for one more year, uh, but he needs to show something this year for the Celtics. You would think? And he had a really good game today: 16 points, five rebounds, seven assists. Two steals, two blocks, but uh, it's still it's still very much a work in progress. Uh, he went down to Houston this offseason to work on his game. There was an athletic story about it uh, last week. But we still really haven't seen the breakout Carson Edwards that we saw at Purdue. And I don't know if we ever will in the NBA.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation. Your game in college doesn't always translate to the NBA. And unfortunately for Carson, it seems like he might be in that boat. I mean, he's still got plenty of time. He's obviously still young, but... Oftentimes in the NBA, you've got to find a niche if you're not going to be playing 20, 30, 40 minutes a game. And as of now, he's not yet found that niche. He's had a lot of, um, you know, did not play, coach's decision. And when you when you get those piling up, it's hard to improve your game and it's hard to show people, you know, what you're capable of. So he he hopefully can show a little something in the summer league and then maybe. If the Celtics can't find a spot for him, maybe they can find a team who is interested in him. He can he can find himself a new landing spot. But we are hopeful that, that Carson can um, get back to who we know he is and find a spot for himself in the NBA. But before we take a break, I do want to fact-check you on one thing, which I Googled while you were talking about Carson Edwards. The U.S. did not meddle in handball in men or women. What? Yeah. Uh, men, it was France, Denmark, Spain – women it was france the not russian russian team and norway so
0: twitter or my memory lied.
1: i would say your memory but twitter is also full of lies <laughs> so it could be either one all right so now that i've put you in your place and i feel less silly <gasps> we are going to take a break and come back to talk about mason gillis and trey kaufman wren Sucker. <laughs> I, knew I, really I thought
0: I saw that somewhere, and I, I remember being surprised. Like, oh, I didn't know we were good at handball.
1: I was like, no, we suck at handball. I was, I was like, I was certain. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so uh, I'm going to do Gillis first, and like I said, um, I'm going to do the yep. thing about the OWI at the top. So.
0: I'll crack a beer as you start.
1: Yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> God. All right, and we are back. So the first player we are going to be talking about today is Mason Gillis coming into his sophomore season. Now, before we get started, we obviously, if you're a big Purdue fan, you probably already know, um, Mason Gillis was arrested for an OWI on June 6th. Uh, he was charged in about the middle of July, um, with that OWI, we, you know, we don't know anything else at this point. Matt Painter has put out the, you know, the generic coach statement. We are aware of the situation. We're monitoring it and any, you know, discipline will be handled in house, blah, 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 um, Given Painter's history and kind of how he handles these things, this is likely going to be, I would say at the least, a four-game suspension. Um, depends on on how he – if he's going to count the exhibition games or not. Um, I can't remember if Painter generally does, but – He so did Nilo- for Ryan Klein. Okay, okay. I thought he did, but I wasn't 100. percent So, um, needless to say, this is going to put Gillis, um, you know, in a bad spot to start the year. But you know, we're we're not here to harp on that. We're going to go ahead and just discuss him as a player going forward. Um, so we'll kind of look at what he did last year first. Um, you know, I thought he had a pretty good um, first year. Um, he did play in all 28 games, um, and he actually got 23 starts, which you know before i looked up these stats i i did not remember that i mean i know he played a lot but 23 starts was was pretty astounding to me he averaged 5 rebound or 5 points 4 rebounds and just over one assist um you know shot 35% from deep 81% from the free throw line he did get one big 10 freshman of the week um and let's see, he scored in double figures in four games. Uh, they were 12, 12, 12, <laughs> and 11, or 12, 12, 11, and 11. So, I mean, I, I thought he was one of those kind of do-it-all, get-yourself-a-little-dirty kind of guy. Um, he found himself in the right place a lot of the time. Um, but how how would you um, describe Mason Gillis' first year uh, following the the previous year when he was redshirting?
0: Overall, Mason Gillis is a high-floor, low-ceiling player. Do we agree on that? Like
1: um, probably. I mean, he's he's gonna give you a lot of effort every time, but I don't think he's ever gonna be like the star on the team.
0: So as we've gone through this, you know, there are a couple Ken Palm efficiency stats that I like to go to. Like the
1: turnover them. rate.
0: Yes. So let's play our favorite game. You don't oh God, I'm You care- didn't have a question for me. I have a question All right. for you. I'm gonna guess you're gonna be more than ten percent off.
1: Him. More okay. What do you
0: what do you think Mason Gillis's turnover? rate percentage 23 oh you did good
1: Two point right. two.
0: oh my god that was so close i thought you would go low because you think of him as like a smart player that doesn't do anything wrong.
1: yeah not true
0: <laughs> he turned the ball over a lot
1: he also i mean he played a lot more than i thought initially so that was why i went a little higher but now i'm i'm feeling smug so we'll see Ooh. if i can get any more of these right
0: yeah so he struggled turnover rate while not being a playmaker in a capacity
1: okay so
0: you mentioned a stat that I think is very shaky and that doesn't indicate at all the way his presence was on the court. Thirty five okay. percent from three. Yeah. Um as we've mentioned before, Ken Palm breaks down those percentages against tier A and Tier A B.
1: Right, right. Yeah, did you, did you shoot against good teams or bad teams? How did you make your money?
0: What do you think his three-point percentage was against Tier A opponents? Ugh.
1: These are 20, the best teams we played. 27%.
0: He was 3 of 21 against
1: Tier oh, A opponents. That is, uh, that's not great. <laughs> it's about what, 14%? 14%. Yeah. Yeah, I don't love that. So, and
0: that's where the ceiling comes in. He's not a great shooter. He doesn't make plays for other people. His one skill is he is a good defensive player oh yeah, who is versatile on the defensive end and he's a pretty good rebound.
1: He's a hustler too. I mean you know he doesn't he doesn't really make flashy plays, but he like I said he always seemed to be in the right place for a rebound or a steal or you know knocking something away um, so that's what I like about him you know it's it's something that doesn't always show up in the stat sheet, but he's like he's like a grinder, you know he's out there making making plays and doing what needs to be done.
0: Absolutely, he is a useful, useful player on your rotation. You want him. You, you want to have that card in your deck. The only problem is if he isn't a knockdown shooter on offense. We saw him struggle as a cutter on offense last year, which was a little strange. I would say. No, why? Was,
1: why do you say that's strange?
0: Because you should be able to catch the ball. <laughs> Oh, okay, well, well,
1: well, I can't argue with that. That is absolutely correct.
0: Trey, de- it, it it seemed at times that he was cutting just to cut, but he didn't really want the ball. Which is a problem when you have a big man who's as good at passing as Trey. Yeah. The ball's going to get there. And a lot of his yeah. passes are, you know, hard and from close if you're another big man cut again. I just, I know we don't want to talk about the DUI, but...
1: O-W-I. Shoot. Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're a <aware. laughs> My bad. <laughs> um... But the fact is that Mason Gillis started last year because we really didn't have a better option. At the and yeah. we needed his, we needed his defense on a team that wasn't very good at defense last year. I, I think we, everyone expects us to be much improved on the defensive front this year. We Absolutely. get an off season, yeah. we get some more athletes, uh, our best perimeter defender won't have a broken leg to start the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're we're not better on defense (laughs) next year, we're not going anywhere.
0: It it would be shocking if we don't show massive improvement. He's got the number one and number two player in the state of Indiana coming to campus this year. Yeah, yeah. He needed to hold on to that spot and not play bad from game one in a way to not rock the boat and not give them enough of a chance to show that. Caleb first as we have mentioned, or I've mentioned, is I think the perfect guy to put next to Trey Williams because he's so good and smart moving off the ball, knows where to be, not afraid to score from anywhere. And Kaufman Wren is a shooter, athlete, dangerous from all over the court on offense as well. I don't I don't expect Gillis to start all season.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up because you said that uh, in our group chat the other day, and I, I wanted to To poke at that a little bit, but I think, and again, you know, we don't want to focus on the OWI, but it is the reality of the situation. And you are, I think you're 100% right in that Painter is known for sticking with a lineup. If, if he throws out these five guys and they're winning, even if they're not the five guys who play the most minutes or who are on the floor at the end of the game or in crunch time, he's often shown that he will stick with those five guys and run them out there to start. You know, for some people, they love being able to say they started so many games. For others, it doesn't matter. I don't know which one Gillis is, but as someone who, like you said, has two guys coming in at the forward position right behind him who were number one and number two in the state, Uh, they were both invited to the under 19 um, camp one made the team and they both play your position they're coming in and now you're sitting uh, unable to play for the first unknown number of games that is going to be hard to recover from I'm sure you know he's going once the suspension is over whatever it is he's gonna find his way back to the court you know Painter will Painter's been shown has shown that he does not hold you know, a grudge against the player. Once once they've met their punishment, he will give you the opportunity to earn your minutes back. But He's it, not going to reward
0: it, him. For, no, 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 yeah.
1: no. But, I mean, it does sound like he, I agree with you in that it's going to be very hard for him to crack the starting lineup, assuming that either Kaufman, Wren, or First uh, come in and are as good as, as we both think they're going to be.
0: I would say there is a better chance that Ivy and Edie break into the starting lineup together. Than Gillis okay. to take the four spot from first, first Morton or Kaufman ran.
1: Yeah, I think I I mean I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound terrible, but it, as far as like there's never a good time to get an O W I. Obviously there's Uber and there's Lyft. You know you do what you got to do, but from a purely basketball perspective, this was the worst possible timing for him to get in trouble in an off season. Absolutely. Um, I mean it, he's he's put himself in a terrible situation. And hopefully he can, you know, mentally recover from it. And hopefully he can do everything that that painter wants him to do and needs him to do to show that he can get back out there on the floor.
0: Yeah, you you always want to root for a kid to rehabilitate himself. We were all dumb. We all most of us is probably driven when we shouldn't have. It just takes the one time to be caught. But you just in life, that's the kind of mistake you can't risk. And there are consequences for that. So,
1: and as there should be, yeah, as there should be.
0: So it just kind of is what it is. And at this point it's up to him. How do he, he responds, but I, it, it's, it's not even about him. I, before that happened, I assumed by conference play, there was a good chance that first or Kaufman Wren would take over that starting forward regard.
1: Okay. All right. Well, since uh, we're talking about Trey Kaufman Wren, we might as well shift to Ooh. talking to him, talking about him anyway. So, uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren obviously is going to be a uh, true freshman coming in next year. We think uh, probably 0% chance he redshirts, right? 0%.
0: <sighs> yeah, if one of the two between first and him were to redshirt, it would be Kaufman-Wren, I think, just because I don't, he seems to be a tweener in a lot of ways. And that can that can work out, like, you could also say the same thing about Vincent Edwards when he came to yeah, that's true. He's a tweener in every way. Turned out that he was a B to B-plus in every one of those tweening ways, so it turned out great, and he played from day one. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much, Kaupin Ren is going to be, you know, somewhere to... If he can play big, I think he'll really have an easy chance to be on the court quite a bit. If not, it's going to come down to, is he a knockdown shooter? And if either one of those answers is yes, I think we see him 13 to 20 minutes a
1: game. So... For those of you who don't follow recruiting, I just want to throw down some of his accolades um, throughout his high school career. So during his time, he was actually from uh, Sellersburg, Indiana, Silver Creek High School, if that means anything to any of our listeners. Um, he, while they're there in Class 3A, he won two state titles. He was second uh, in the running for Mr. Basketball. His junior year, he was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Indiana. Um uh, for as far as recruiting rankings, he was 32nd uh, by Rivals, 39th by ESPN, and 40 uh, from 247. So, pretty pretty consistent there, clumped right in the the 30s to uh, 40. So that's pretty good. He scored 1,832 points and grabbed 867 rebounds, um, and he does hold the school record for career points. So in his in his senior season, he averaged 24. And 11. So that is pretty dang good. So um, he's obviously quite talented. Um, He did have an injury at the Indiana Junior Senior and Indiana Kentucky All-Star game, correct?
0: Yeah, it sounds like he broke a bone somewhere in his hand. It was pretty much a three-week injury. Just long enough to not be able to go to the U19 trials.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and he was invited, but he wasn't able to go
0: but he was b- able to be on campus with Sofia practicing with the team before Ivey first got back.
1: So. Yeah. Sucks for him personally not to have Yeah, because, I know, mean, bad, that would have been, been a great honor.
0: But as far as injury recovery, he didn't even miss a lot. He was back out there, back with the team as practice started. So. It, not a setback injury, not something that you look to be a concern going forward. So. As far as injuries go, that's as good as you can hope for.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you touched on it a little bit when we were talking about Gillis. Between him and first, you expect one of them to be the starter at the four when the season opens. Is that correct?
0: I think so. I would I would say heavy money towards first right now. I think we just saw. It, it's hard to tell because we we got the advantage of seeing first play. Yeah, and we end. and we didn't
1: get to see anything from from Kaufman Ren because of the injury. But you know, there is a bit of a recency bias. You see first, and you see what he can do against you know some pretty stiff competition, not just on his own team but throughout the world. So you've got a pretty good uh, perception of him in your head, and we haven't been able to see Kaufman Wren at that same level.
0: Yeah, it I first just fits so cleanly in my head into that starting five that it's hard for me to imagine. I I guess you could say it, but I also—we have so much talent, and I, I feel like our talent 5 to 8, nine, ten is so locked in close together that any night it could be, you know— You know, Newman might be on the bench to start the season. If Morton makes a big push, it's going to keep him. It's going to be hard not to play him a bunch. Um, Yeah. So there are people that have already been there that haven't played as many minutes as I expect their talent to show this year. So It's hard to know for sure if, you know, two true freshmen can step up and be that many minutes in a game. It's going to also depend on, you know, is Jaden Ivey going to go to the next level and play 35 to 40 minutes a game? If so, that cuts down time.
1: Yeah, I mean that changes everything.
0: You, you know, and how often is Trey going to play? How often is Edie going to play? Are they going to overlap? Because if they overlap, all of a sudden that four spot, you're not filling forty minutes anymore. You're filling, right. you know, thirty. I I think there's I think there's a lot of circumstances that have nothing to do with first and Coffin Wren that are going to affect their playing time. Which is why if those two weren't if Kaufman Wren was even just a little bit less of a prospect, a little less talented. I think it would be an obvious redshirt year for him. But I do think he's too good not to. So look for him to get somewhere between 8 and 15 minutes a game. That could jump up to 20 if he really accepts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see that. It, especially like you said, if if Painter does find a way to move Trey to the 4, then you're taking minutes away from Kaufman, Wren. You're taking him away from first, from Gillis. And suddenly those three guys – only have maybe 30 minutes to fill and that's a that's a big blow for for them to be able to make an impact so it's going to be interesting and like you said it a lot of it is going to depend on what do we do with trey what do we do with Edie, and what happens with ivy do do these three make another big jump and if so how does that impact the rest of the team um, I was really interested because you said from five to maybe nine or ten, our talent is sort of similar. So do you think there are four four players at the top that you just have to get as many minutes as possible?
0: Yes. I, I mean, I think we're going to – I mean, obviously Trey. And the obviously weird part is Ivy. obviously Ivy and obviously Edie, which is complicated
1: because, you know. right
0: trey played the same position but i think hunter has to go there as well
1: okay i was i was about to ask who number four was i had an idea but i wasn't sure i
0: think hunter has to go there and then one or both of newman and sasha kind of have to go if they both improve even a little bit this season somewhere between you know 20 to or 10 to 20 percent better both of those guys become guys that you can't sit
1: right right
0: so at that point you're looking at there's not a bunch of minutes left over. Those guys, all five of those guys are good enough to play 30 minutes a game.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting problem that I'm not sure Painter has had in recent memory. Uh, the the teams that have done really well for Purdue have not been this deep, and you struggle to find minutes. And the the big worry, at least with the addition of the transfer portal and you know the one free transfer that they're implementing, is you wonder... Can Painter keep all these guys happy and with, with the distribution of minutes, and is it going to mean that somebody might leave? You're always worried about that because you want some team cohesion and you want to stay old, but it's definitely going to be something that Painter has to think about going forward with these guys because he's got so much talent on the team. Yeah, you
0: do that, but it also – it's going to be pretty clean next year because, you know, Ivy's going to go to the NBA. Hey.
1: Sorry. He's
0: – He's got buzz about being a
1: top. I know, seven big I know, one. I know. Don't it's gonna break my heart. It's gonna break my heart. <laughs> so
0: Ivy's probably gone next year. Williams Sasha, is gone. Williams is gone. Sasha's already said he's leaving, and Hunter said he's. Leaving.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're not going to take advantage of that extra so, COVID year. So why,
0: why would Newman, uh, Morton, you know, all these guys struggle through this season of maybe not playing as much, knowing they can come in next year and you know take over? We've got some good recruits, but yeah, we have a bunch of recruits coming in that really look like they're going to be really good 10 to 15 minutes off the bench guys and then be ready a year or two later.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's true. If you can, if these guys can, if, if those who don't find themselves as a star or someone who's getting as many minutes as they, they think they deserve this season, the opportunity is going to be there in 2022, 2023. So they've, they've just got to understand that and contribute to the team where they can. So I think you're absolutely right there. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's an exciting problem
1: yes yeah i mean if if of the number of problems you can have in a college basketball team this is the one you want to have
0: what's good is you know there's a lot of teams that have that problem but it's mostly just people stepping up to be like the third or fourth best player we have so many guys that have such a high ceiling that if they do rise to the top they are rising to the top as elite players so at this time we have seven eight nine nine guys that you know legitimately have a shot to be absolute game breakers night to night, week to week throughout a whole season. And I don't, we've never had a Purdue team under Painter that had that kind of ceiling individually and as a team.
1: Yeah, I can't recall one either. So it's uh, going to be a very exciting season. That's why we've been doing these player profiles. I mean, Casey and I are both very excited about what this team can do next year. So we wanted to take a little time and at least talk about it and discuss it. And hopefully have you all listen to it because it is it's we think it's going to be a very exciting season and we want to set the table.
0: And we haven't talked a ton about Kaufman Wren's game. His ceiling is as high. His ceiling is higher than first.
1: What Why is that? What he
0: could be, his body and mobility and shot. He could be one of those six, eight guys that are as dangerous on the ball, off the ball, driving to the hoop, finishing. He he could be, he's got lottery potential himself if his athleticism body shot all show themselves he at first is a big man Kaufman Wren could just be that wing guy that is a guard and a big man in the same body and he's just got a ridiculous ridiculous ability to be so dangerous at every level on the offensive
1: end. yeah and and Painter's teams almost always look better when they have a star at the four
0: yeah I th- Kaufman Wren could be a better Vincent Edwards and that's crazy
1: yeah because Vincent Edwards was Awesome. He was very good. He was very good.
0: And first, so, and, and honestly, first has a very high ceiling too. I don't want it to sound like we're lowering his because he could be really good too. It's he just doesn't as naturally have a perimeter game that Kaufman Ryn does right now, but he's better on the inside. So those two guys together is very exciting going forward.
1: Yeah, I know there was a lot of talk in recruiting about. Hey, if we get first, can we get Kaufman Wren? If we get Kaufman Wren, can we get first? Because they're similar players, but they have enough of a difference that the the thought was they could both commit to the same school and both play. So Purdue will be testing that theory as the years go by.
0: They're both skilled. It it doesn't get – we kind of overcomplicate it sometimes. If you're skilled, you can play with any other skilled player.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean sometimes it is just that simple. Really right.
0: exciting possibility going
1: forward. Yeah. So that is going to wrap up uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren. We always end with a recommendation. I didn't remind Casey that it was his week, but it is his week. So let's see if he has anything or if he's going to – Think of it right now as I'm sort of stalling to give him a little bit of time.
0: I mean, I knew it was my week. You know, I've been trying to find, like, pretty new stuff every time. Just go get a COVID shot. Just
1: there you stop. go.
0: Just go get a COVID
1: shot. I love it. I love it. Perfect. Let's wait for the comments, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that going be great. Uh, I've had my two. I'm Team Pfizer. I've had my team. Pfizer as well. Same time. I don't want to have to fight you. <laughs> All right, for Casey and myself. Thank you for listening. Make sure to rate, review, hammer that subscribe.